morning. Uh, I'm Joshua Kapczynski. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're new, welcome to Granite Creek. I think it's a pretty cool church. It's a good place to be. So, um, yeah, it's all right. Um, we have a lot going on right now, and I want to, let me, before we get into the message, just let me, let me vision you up a little bit. Uh, we're going into a, a really kind of a, a busy season for our church. Uh, we have Fall into Fun that's coming up in a month and a half. I know that's like one of my, that's my favorite thing. We'll talk more about that probably next week. And then, uh, you know, of course, Living Nativity is coming up. And um, in addition to that, uh, we'll have a, a, for the first time, we're going to have a conference here in December. And all the pieces are starting to come together pretty quickly. But uh, it's going to be called Revival Now. And we have been able to get, I don't, if you don't know this, it's okay. Uh, but we're able to get a gal named Misty Edwards who's going to come out. <laughs> See, he knows who she is. Uh, and, uh, and she's going to come out along with a couple of other keynote speakers. And uh, it's, for a church our size, it doesn't happen. I, I said this, you know, a few months back when we had Randy Clark visit us. It doesn't happen. Um, and so it's, it's a big deal. So I just want to just put that on your radar. It's going to change things. So I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, next week, it's, uh, it's National Back to Church Sunday. So I, I don't know, somebody got a, a, this conviction to say, you know what, people don't go to church anymore. We should do something about it. And so I think it's kind of cool. And so we, we tacked on to that whole idea. So it's, it's National Back to Church Sunday next week. So but we're going to give you an opportunity to invite your friends and your family to this. And, you know, how do you do that? You know what, use media. You know what? Like me on Facebook and like the church on Facebook and share the event and do all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, it is important that, that we witness and that we share and that we make church an inviting place. But something really interesting happened to me last night. Um, and I really feel like I need to share it. I, I woke up. It doesn't happen all that often. So this is the second time this year that I've woken up from a dream. And in this dream, uh, I, I had this this vision of, uh, of Route 66, of revival taking place on Route 66. And there were little individual pockets of younger folks. If you're not young, that's okay. You can hang out here in church. But there were, there were little individual pockets of younger folks, 20 people, 30 people or less, and they were all worshiping. And, they were, and the, the melody was great, is great is the Lord. That, that simple melody that they were singing over and over again, great is the Lord. And from that declaration, they were giving prophetic words. And, and just, the, the, whole, the whole corridor was, was seeing revival. And I, I'm pretty sure it's from the Lord because if it was from me, the vision would be that this church is packed out. But see, revive, right? So I'm pretty confident this is from the Lord because as the revival is taking place outside of, of these four walls. Revival is happening within community. And there was no stage. There was a mic. Like people's voices were being amplified. The gospel is being preached, but there was no stage. And even the ones that could not sing... It was beautiful. That would be me, by the way. I don't know if you saw me trying to clap and with the beat. No, I just couldn't. I tried, I tried for three days to get John a drummer. We don't have a drummer, by the way. 
So if you can drum, God's calling you to drum. So but this kid pulls out, a, he drums with his foot. It's amazing, huh? Hopefully he wasn't watching me clap. I would have totally messed him up. <laughs> so I just wanted to share that with you because I think that it's important because we can do all these, you know, church strategies to get people into church. But what's really important is to connect with the Spirit of God. And that can happen anywhere. It ought to be happening in your home with your children. All right. Um, we're wrapping up this series on wisdom today. And if you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to look at James uh, chapter 1. And we'll look at James chapter 3. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're new, our church has kind of gone through a little uh, a season of mourning. We, like this last week, we had three funerals and a wedding. Uh, it's, it's rough, man. It's like a, sounds like a bad romantic comedy from the 90s, you know? And so we've gotten, you know, we've gotten through it. And, and there were personal ones. You know, my mother-in-law and my grandmother-in-law and, and then, you know, or a 15-year-old teenager in our church. So it was rough. And one of the things that, but we, that I was able to witness and experience both in um, this season of mourning and then even a season of celebration in, in doing a wedding last night uh, is the amount of, well, you guys are amazing. I would tell you what, if I wasn't the pastor of this church, I would attend because you guys are so cool. I feel so loved and I feel so connected. I, it is my heart's desire that everybody sitting in these seats has the same experience that I do. I mean, I know I'm like the senior pastor, so you're going to send me flowers and a card. That's sweet. But I, my, my heart's desire is that everybody gets to experience this and if anything, I hate funerals. I do. I love weddings, but there is, you know I'm not okay with death. I know it's, just, it's inevitable, right? It's like your taxes, you're going to die unless, unless the Lord comes back. And we can, you know, we can do healing services every day of the week, but you're still going to die. Um, so I'm going to get your head around that one. I mean, we've even raised people from the dead in this church. Well, one person. But unless the Lord comes back, he's still going to die. It's rough, but I'm not okay with it. And you know what? Jesus is not okay with death either, because he conquered sin and death at the cross. So that's a huge testimony right there that he's not okay with death. Now, if anything good comes out of a funeral, it was this coming together as a, as a church body. And it was the love and the affection that, that I felt personally from my church family, the prayers and the support the elbow grease from these two last weeks. I can't tell you how much labor has went into this church. It's, it's mind-boggling. And that's what, that's what family does. And so if anything good comes from losing a loved one or losing somebody in the church, it is this sense of community because there is this... You feel sorry for us, right? <laughs> right? Your heart broke. Your heart broke for Lisa when she lost her daughter. Your heart broke for Mako when she lost her mom. And where does that come from? It's actually, it's actually an important trait. And we, we experience it at funerals and we experience when people lose. But the, the ability to empathize is what makes us human. 
It, it really is. The ability to, to, to really feel sorry for somebody, to empathize for them, to put yourself in their shoes is a human trait. My dog Jackson can't do that. Like he's able to, to tap into my emotions when I'm happy. He's happy and wagging his tail. He knows when I'm bummed out and he's like, you know, trying to make me feel better and nudge me and stuff. But Jackson cannot take himself outside of his four paws and put himself into my two feet. He cannot empathize. We can. That's what makes us special. And in addition to that, if you want to grow in wisdom, and if you've been able to tack on to this series, wisdom is supreme, so therefore at any cost, you have to get her. You have to purchase her. You have to pursue her. Wisdom, that is. She's personified in the female. You have to get her at all costs. And one of the most important keys and tools of wisdom is the ability to empathize. The world's view of wisdom is basically a twisted view of knowledge. The more knowledge I get, the more power I have. The, the wiser I become, I become a powerful wizard, right? That's how we see it. But true wisdom comes from the ability to empathize for others. All right, let's look at this all right, we're going to read James 1. It's a little rough. James is the brother of Jesus. And, I don't, you know, he was like a family member. Yeah? And, you know, you have a brother, and you know what your brother's really like. And you know, So James was having a hard time at the very beginning. And then he came to realize who his brother was. As soon as he realized that his brother was the image of the invisible God things began to click and he began to take things seriously. That's why when we read James, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's some tough love here. Let's take a listen. He says, consider it pure joy. Talked about joy today, sung about that. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if you lack wisdom, you ask God, who gives it generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person uh, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in, in their high position. Okay, if you're rich, hang on. <laughs> but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with that scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade. They'll fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Have you ever said that? 
You ever blame God for stuff? Why are you doing this to me, God? If you really understood. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's a scary thought. Sin's ultimate goal is death. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting of shadows, who gives us birth through the word of truth, that we might be kind of first fruits of all created. All right, I'm going to have to skip. And then the key verse for today, and this is in James chapter 3. We'll start at verse 13. Who is wise in understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by their good deeds, done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. Okay, we need to make a distinction. There's this earthly wisdom, and there's godly wisdom, right? I think actually earthly wisdom is an oxymoron. I don't, I don't think, it's a, it's a deceiving, right? Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and hang on, folks, it's demonic. For when you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find discord in every evil practice. Okay, so look, we think that Ouija boards and witches and things like that are demonic. What James is telling us, oh, so hard, selfish ambition is demonic. It's tough, isn't it? Makes you think. All right, here we go. Here's the good news. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And God's calling, in this season, I believe, in the season of the Church of America, God's calling us into a new expression of righteousness, of holiness. He's separating us, folks. There is, there, you cannot, we're not going to be able to compartmentalize our faith anymore. You can't. There will be no more separation between Christians and non-Christians. There's, there's going to be a line. It's called righteousness. All right. So why do I like this verse, that wisdom comes from heaven and is first of all pure and, and peace-loving and considerate, submissive, full of mercy and of good fruit? It, it, this is, you know what this is describing? It's describing empathy. And empathy is hard to come by these days. Except like when there's a funeral, Right? 
then it's like you default. But it makes sense, right? But empathy is really hard to come by because it's the problem. The problem is, is that we're selfish. Like deep down inside, we, it is really all about us. We're selfish people. That's the sin. We have selfish ambitions. Do we have any only children in here? It's, an all, it's a big struggle for us only children. I've been a, I was an only child for 18 years, and then my parents decided to have another kid. So they have two only children that don't know how to share and don't, and don't play well with others. And, you know, when you, when you realize that, oh my gosh, the world does not revolve around me, that's, that's, that's rough stuff, right? It's, it's a difficult, those are hard lessons to, to try to figure out, to learn. And see, again, the problem, that's one major reason why we are not wise, why we do not walk in wisdom, is because we're so especially in this culture, in this society, we're so self-centered. Introspection is, it is the religion that we eat up. We have entire sec- uh, sections in, in Barnes & Noble for self-help books. And we're all trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to discover ourselves. We're trying to go down deep and figure out what happened in our childhood is why we're so messed up, Right? And when you begin to turn inward, look, self-reflection is good, and it, and it can be healthy. You need to know who you really are. But once you get past that point, and you're just not satisfied, and you want to go further in and further in and deeper and deeper and figure out what makes you tick, you, you will become selfish. If all you're doing is thinking about you, selfish ambition will creep in. If it's all about your problems, And if you can't consider others, you're in danger. James would even say that you're in danger of witchcraft. It's it's demonic. Isn't that a scary thought? That introspection could be demonic? Wow. So empathy. This is what makes us different from animals. So it's make me, this is what makes me different than my dog Jackson, even though he's got four legs and he's a lot hairier than I am. Um, look, we have the ability to, oh my goodness, I have to stop. Lord, all right. Um, is, it really almost, is it really quarter to 11? All right, where's the band? Go get, <laughs> let me wrap this up. Yeah, go get the band. We got to bring them up here. And you guys are going to have to just, I'll finish this next week. How about that? All right, so I told you what the problem is. Here's the solution, folks. Um, we, have to, like, we have to make a decision. And, this, and we can do this. Us humans can do this. We can think abstractly and we can get outside of our own selves, outside of our own bodies. And you can, you can literally say, okay, what, what is she going through right now? What does it feel like to feel her pain and to feel her disappointment? To empathize is wise. 
Empathy gives you the ability to say, all right, it's not all about me. There is a bigger picture. I'm going to give you, as the band comes up, I'm going to give you a quick story. Years ago, if you guys don't know, uh, before I got into ministry, I was in the business world. And uh, there, was, there was a very uncomfortable situation uh, in my past where, uh, like, the, the business was sinking, right? The ship was going down. And maybe you guys can relate. Do you know what it's like when, when the ship is going down? How do people react? How do your friends react? Like, how do your good friends at work react when, people, when people's heads are on the chopping block? He did it. You know, all the rats, they come out, right? It, it, we go into survival mode, hmm? right? Because when the ship is going down, you move into, you, empathy is impossible for you to do in your human nature when things are going down because you're thinking about self-preservation. So I had this experience where the ship was going down, people were losing their jobs, and because of my position, uh, I had the privilege to let people go. And I was in survival mode too. I was like, ooh, this is bad. I gotta make sure I cover mine, right? And I remember very clearly when we made the statement, there was a, the, when we said, all right, folks, I'm sorry, some of you are going part-time, some of you are losing your jobs. And I remember the, the, the look on, on this man's face when he came to the realization that he was going to lose his job. And I could just see him become crestfallen and broken within a moment. And I, I really do believe that it was like a, it was a spiritual moment because at that moment I was taken outside of myself and I could see that person and what they were going through. So about my self-preservation, it, for a moment it went away and I saw this person really hurting and struggling and then I began to put myself in their, in their shoes and I, and I realized that he had sacrificed just as much as I had for this company. He had poured his time, his energy, his money. He invested in it. He worked overtime. He had an emotional connection to this company, and his dreams were dashed. There was nothing that we could do. That The ship was sinking. He had to go. But this is what I did. I had empathy for him. And I... I didn't, like, give him the handshake and it's going to be okay, buddy. We'll be praying for you, right? We do that, hmm? I didn't say, hey, look, here's a job listing. I'm going to email you some, some job applications or whatever. I didn't do that. Something inside of me said, you need to make this right. And so I didn't get on the phone. I got into the car and I went to another company and I, and I got into the manager's office, whom I know, and I said, look, this is what's going on. And you need to hire this person. This person has been an incredible, faithful employee. And if you don't hire them, you're going to be a big fool. And they did. And until this day, that person is a faithful friend to me. It was that act of empathy. It was the wisest thing. Honestly, it was the wisest thing that I've ever done. And it's not because I was able to get something out of it. They were not a means to an end for me. I empathize for that person's pain. I took myself out of my body, put myself into his situation. Not only did I save 
his financial career and life trajectory. I know that sounds kind of selfish, but not only did I do that, I benefited from it. I can't tell you blessing upon blessing upon blessing that I've received in my life because I went the extra mile when I did not have to. Does that make sense? And see, we have the ability as humans to step outside of our bodies and empathize for our brothers and sisters. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus empathized with us. So how we have the ability to step outside of our bodies, Jesus stepped into a body. And so when you have these emotions and these feelings, you know what, God, it's just not fair. You don't understand my circumstances. You don't know I can't deal with this temptation. I can't deal with this rejection. I can't deal with this pain. The way that God says, okay, yes, I can, because I came into a body, and Jesus has felt every emotion, every pain, every disappointment that all of us in this room have ever experienced, and then it gets amplified a million times on the cross. He's felt everything that you've ever experienced and then some. And it's been sufficient. And he did it for us. If I could have the ushers come to the front. And we're going to receive the offering right now. And you guys are going to play. And you're going to play into the, the next service. Okay? You guys don't get a break. <laughs> so. uh, after, the, after the offerings pass, you're free to go. I'm going to go ahead and bless you now. Father God, we thank you so much for being here. And God, I pray right now that your word will seek into our hearts that true wisdom comes from heaven and it, it is considerate, it is pure, it is peacemaking. It is the ability to empathize with others. And God, we need that empathy right now. God, we need it when times are rough, but God, when times are not rough, we need to be able to to see what's really going around on in people's lives that are around us, that are in the periphery. So God, give us the ability to see. Bless this offering to its extent. Thank you so much for your angelic presence that's in this room this morning. We thank you for the activity of angels. We love you, Lord. Bless this offering. Amen.